coming up on today's episode, house flipping, bookkeeping, and nuclear power. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. All right, if you're new here, we help service members and veterans achieve financial independence, financial freedom, and really just however you want to word that. Their goals, we help you make more money. It's great. You'll love us. Uh, we've got free free platforms everywhere, right? YouTube, Facebook, um, podcasts, obviously, you're listening to, Instagram, wherever your favorite place is to uh educate and learn and communitize communitize yeah we're making that a word and um and then we have the war room mastermind which is our higher level mastermind for service members of vets that are serious about achieving their goals but it's not what we're here to talk about today today we're here to talk to mr william morgan who is a house flipper who's flipped hundreds of homes he is a founder of a bookkeeping company oxily which we'll drop a link in the chat down below for you to use and and actually get a discount on but he is a dynamic figure in the world of real estate investment and wealth creation, founder of a bookkeeping firm for real estate investors, and he's built a solid business in both industries. But he really what he is, is he's a guy who does a great job explaining some concepts that will save you a lot of money, a lot of headache that are not always the most exciting to discuss. So this is actually a really good episode, and I'm excited to bring it to you because I learned some stuff about bookkeeping, and uh, he gives some really good answers. So this is solid. So definitely stick around and uh enjoy oh and i'm terrible about this if you haven't yet can you drop us a review on apple or your favorite podcast platform i never ask for that and uh you know it kind of shows we're not getting a whole lot of reviews and i know there's a whole lot more listeners than there are reviews and it would mean a lot to me if we could get a little bit of uh you know feedback on how we're doing which will actually help the show reach more service members of vets and therefore help serve more people so have a great day Welcome to the show today. Thanks, Dave. Good to be here. Absolutely. So I always jump in with a question that's like uh, much more recent, and then we backtrack and tell your story. And so I wanted to ask you, as a gentleman who runs a bookkeeping company right now, if you had to vet a bookkeeper with a single question, what would you ask them? Well, um, you know, uh, with, with the context of real estate businesses in mind, I would... Uh, I would ask them, how do you treat uh, expenses on a flip? Oh. Just tell me, tell your methodology, right? Because uh, we have, you know, in our business, we have operations that happen. We have overhead, we have salaries, things like that. And then, you know, if you're a, a real estate company doing a project like a rehab and you have this enormous splash of expenses that are now hitting your books, that has a, a great way of muddying the waters uh, on what's going mm. on in your business. So there is a special way to treat that. And that would be the very first thing I'd ask them. I like it. And we might just have to dig into what that special way all is right. here in just a little okay. bit. Um, all right. So backstory, I know you run a bookkeeping company and that's how we got connected. Our good, my good friend, Adam Whitney recommended you and, and mm -hmm. you know, anything, anyone he speaks highly of is good by me, but 
I know that that's not where you got started. You're not a uh, accountant who was like, I'm going to build a bookkeeping company for real estate. You're a real estate investor who had some issues with not issues, but who, who grew to the point where you were like, I need an actual, a decent bookkeeper and there aren't any. So let's, let's hear a little bit of that story. Tell us, tell us how we got to the, to today. Sure. Sure. So, you know, um, I, I've been in real estate for uh, 20 years, actually this year, uh, 20 years. And, uh, but I really started scaling, um, in 2016. Well, and, and around 2019, my books were a complete mess. Well, by then we were doing a, about 20 rehabs a year and 20 wholesales a year had a, a rental portfolio. That's, uh, you know, we we're starting to build, um, and eventually we even dipped our toe into the short-term rentals. Anyways, it, it was very difficult for me to see what was going on in my business. In fact, I really couldn't even tell if I was profitable until the end of the year when we had to collect all of our information and give it to the CPA. And they actually had to report something to the IRS. So it was clear that the bookkeeper that we had, uh, we had outgrown her and uh, it, it just things were, were kind of a mess. So we hired some consultants uh, and we, we brought some um, talented team members in-house ourselves. We figured it all out and we started doing books for other real estate businesses. And that was basically the birth of our bookkeeping company, Oxley. That's awesome. And yeah. so uh, you flipped at this point hundreds of homes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so. You know, we uh, decided in 2016 to make it a business and, um, you know, to to do that, you know, you hire employees, you increase your, you know, uh, your uh, capital, you know, for lending to be able to do more. Yeah, you have a lot of things happening uh, all at once. So you have systems and processes to give to, you know, different uh, team members to execute your business plan. And um, yeah, so that that was uh what started our trip in, or you know our experience into real estate but again it it really created a lot of problems from a business management perspective because we really didn't have our visibility down we did, we couldn't see what was going on so hmm. yeah no that makes sense I, i've gotten to a point once or twice in my real estate business where i'm like okay i made money this month where did it go and yeah, where to go? Uh, and it's, it's, it's not a fun feeling. So I've gotten a little better at it for sure, but it's, it's definitely something that I would say a lot of investors don't think about right off the bat. Cause it's not such a prevalent issue. And then by the time you realize it's an issue, it, it's a big issue. Right. We, you know, as business owners, we want to go out there and we want to get deals and, um, you know, that's what we're focused on. And we kind of in the beginning, we have this mindset where, OK, well, I'll, I'll take care of that um, later. Right now, I just know I need to go out there, get some deals, make some money. And, and the things, you know, things will fall into place later. But uh, sometimes those problems can accumulate, you know, and then also once you do realize that that level of business activity, you're going to want to start to see things in your business. You're going to, want to know, going to want to know if the rehab that you're doing, is it on budget like you planned? You know, maybe you had estimated $50,000 in repairs. How are you doing? Right. And you want to be able to see those things to drill down into those intricacies in your business, because that's really where the money's made. 
You know, you can only run your business so long without um, paying attention to your financial data. You know, there's this statistic that 80% of the businesses, uh, small businesses go out of business in the first five years. And when you look at like a top 10 list of why they go out of business, at least half of the items on that list have to do with your financial data. Man, that's a, (laughs) yeah, that'll, that'll get you that that's uh, that's painful. All right. So uh, what would you say are some of the most common bookkeeping mistakes that you see real estate investors making? Uh, well, first off, they, they tend to, you know, hire someone locally, then that makes perfect sense, but maybe they don't quite have the, the business experience that matches your business. I think that's the number one thing. Mm-hmm. Most bookkeepers that you'll find, you know, will be able to do, you know, uh, the books for a coffee shop or, or a tire store. But, um, you know, when you have a very dynamic business, uh, such as real estate, it, it, tends to fluster a lot of uh, the bookkeepers. Uh, at least that's what we've seen. We receive um, accounts from people who have out, outgrown or were with a bookkeeper who didn't quite understand how to do the books for a real estate company. And, you know, it, we see some common mistakes that are made there. So um, it is a specialty. And, and that is why we've, we like to focus on the real estate industry. No, I agree wholeheartedly. My first bookkeeper, I thought they were doing great because I didn't know any different. And when I got my second bookkeeper in there, because it became evident that they weren't doing great, it was like everything was miscategorized. I mean, I spent probably the better part of 40 hours going through an entire year's books, you know, updating and resetting all the automations in QuickBooks because it was it was just not only was it done incorrectly, but it wasn't even like close. And there were so many like uncategorized expenses that were to me blaringly obvious exactly what they were. But to this person, it was like, I don't know, I'll just leave it. And uh, yeah, right, it, it, right. it was, uh, it was, it was not a fun experience for me for sure. And I wish I'd known how to do it from the get go. Right. And, and then, you know, so, so when you do it right, it unlocks a lot of capabilities, right? One of the, one of the, most impactful things in in our real estate business uh, that we unlocked when we actually got a hold of our books in in a you know a very professional manner was our marketing right you know so when you are spending a lot of money on marketing and for some real estate businesses that is probably the biggest expense um, mm. so when you're spending a lot of money on marketing you want to know well okay am I getting a three x return on that or a five x return on that. And, and then even going a level deeper is uh, PPC doing better than direct mail or how's my cold callers doing, right? Those, that's, the, that's the sort of data you unlock and it allows you to pivot in the right direction to stop doing what's not working and maybe lean harder into what's working right for you. And, and that was the most dramatic, um, you know, impact from, uh, you know, going from where, where we had no visibility, we didn't know what was going on. I didn't know where it was profitability mid-year. It, I mean, I really didn't know. I mean, I had an idea, you know, that we'd done a number of deals and we had some profits, but I had no no idea of, of where I was on a project by project basis. 
I couldn't tell, um, you know, I had a fuzzy idea that marketing was working, but, uh, you know, it was just very difficult to get granular mm -hmm. and, and make those decisions. So, you know, once we, we started doing that, we really, really uh, started hitting our stride in our business. Yeah. So um, let's see, let's pretend that you've got like two minutes to try to explain the basics of bookkeeping to somebody. How yes. would you, how would you do that? Okay. So, you know, your transactional data is going to be split up into four basic categories. You're going to have your income and expenses, and that goes on your profit and loss side of your books. And then you're going to have your assets and liabilities. Assets are like rental properties. Liabilities are like mortgages on those rental properties. That goes on your balance sheet. So that is basically um, with your transactional data, you, you fit it into one of those four categories. It gets a little more nuanced than that. There are a, a thing called a, a chart of accounts and, and there's different charts of accounts for different business models, but um, essentially that's it. So you, you're gonna account for your income, your expenses, your assets, and your liabilities. I love it. That's, I mean, that's about as simple as it gets. And yet, man, <laughs> do we overcomplicate it. Is there anything you've noticed uh, as like a common denominator for those who have, you know, uh, whether you, I guess we could say the healthiest books or, or maybe like actually build wealth. I know in, I guess the way that we could put this is like in the flipping and wholesaling community, right? You can make right. a ton of money right. and not have anything to show for it. So what, what are the, what, what do you, have you noticed that makes people actually get, to like financial freedom as opposed to just that, that's a having a money fantastic question because as you can imagine we you know our, our our company has visibility over a lot of different businesses and we see what works um i think you know profits are great profits will give you uh spending money it'll give you cash but equity will make you wealthy Absolutely. Mm. If you, you know, uh, again, as a, you know, for those of us who are in real estate, we are really in a special sort of uh, field, a special sort of business. You know, if, if you were a restaurant, if you had purchased extra utensils, pots and pans, tables and chairs, and you held those in inventory, it's really not going to move the needle on your business at all. It doesn't mean anything to um, how well your business is doing. But if you're a real estate business and you're able to pick up some properties and keep those on your balance sheet, they're gonna pay you, they're gonna pay you in four different ways. You know, if they're a rental property, you're gonna get cash flow, which is, you know, income over your expenses. You're gonna get equity pay down. Every time your tenant makes a payment to you in rent and you take that payment and you go pay your mortgage, you're, you're Principal gets paid down. Um, so you get principal pay down is number two. You get amazing tax benefits from picking up rental properties. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you get appreciation over time. There has never been, and this is including the, the 2008 financial crisis, there's never been a period of time that I've seen where you could look back on an on, on a investment property you purchased 10 years ago and been sorry you've done it. So, you know, I, I can't emphasize that enough. You know, some of the people that are doing the best are putting an emphasis, not just on profits, but also the equity they capture in terms of property. And they carry that forward. You can, you can turn it over, you know, it's a legacy thing you can give to the next generation as well. It does amazing things. So if there's anything I could harp on, 
it's um, learn how to keep more property. I love that. Yeah, there's some interesting data. If we look at like the stock market, which I think is probably the easiest way for people to wrap their head around cyclical markets that say like, if you, I'm going to mess all this up, but like, let's say you, you were invested for the entire duration of the S and P 500. Like there's, there's not a single time period where you could have dumped all your cash in and lost over the long haul, whether you dumped right. it in on the highest of highs and then it tanked or you dumped it in on the lowest of lows or, right. and they, there's some data, some, some, some piece, I'm trying to remember the exact point on it, but it's like, if you missed, if you missed out on like the wrong five, eh, I'm gonna mess it all up. But bottom line is that no matter when you start investing, if you dollar cost average and hold on long enough, you're gonna win. Mm -hmm. And I think rentals are the same way. Like you said, if you bought all your stuff yeah. in 2008 yeah. and then it tanked, as long as you could hold on to it, you're looking just fine right now. Right, right, and that's true. You know, it, it's you know, profits are great. Profits are sexy but the IRS gets at least a third of them. <laughs> so, um, mm. you know, you don't get taxed. Yeah. If you buy a rental property, say it's worth uh, $500,000 retail, you buy it for 300,000, you put 50,000 into it, you know, that $150,000 worth of equity, you're not taxed on it, right? You're, you're not at all. In fact, you're, you're probably gonna have some deductions from those expenses, you know, that, that $50,000 that you spent to rehab it. So it, it's, it's sort yeah. of a gift when you look at it like that. And if you can, you know, sure, we need, we need cash to pay our overhead, to pay salaries, you know, uh, to do the things we want to do. But, uh, you know, don't underestimate the value of equity. I agree completely. Yeah, it's, um, oh, I'm getting really good at this whole having a great thought and then and then losing it right at the end there. Um, I was gonna oh I was gonna say that the, the refinance is like the biggest tax secret loophole whatever you want to call it in real estate. It's like if you keep the property, you can pull a decent chunk of those profits and not pay the taxes on it. At least not now, which is That's wonderful. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. There's no taxes when you take out a loan on your property that maybe it is uh, increased in value, two hundred thousand dollars, and you want to and you want to take a loan that will be serviced by your tenants. You, you get that loan tax free. So that's a it's it. a great way to hang on to property and to uh, capture the benefits of of that appreciation. All right. So let's see here. You said in the when you filled out the, the form or, or when mm -hmm. your assistant filled out the form, they said that your superpower is systems and processes, systemizing okay. a business to make it scalable. Do you have a methodology that you use when you're working towards this goal or is every business completely different and you have to feel it out? Uh, no, no. I, I think, uh, again, you know, from that entrepreneurial mindset, um, we're talking a little bit about this before the show, but uh, we don't necessarily want to get into the nitty gritty details right away. We want to go out there and capture deals. We want to make things happen. We want to put meat on the table. That's what we do. Um, but if you're going to scale, you know, you're, you're going to, you know, a friend of mine, <laughs> this one investor friend of mine used to say, there's nothing to be learned from the second kick of the mule. Meaning if, if you've paid for a mistake once and you make that mistake again, shame on you. It's, it's you know, you're doing something yeah. wrong. So systems and processes, uh, f 
you know, for, for me, and I advocate it for, for everyone who's going into business, systems and processes are a way for one, for you to communicate with your team without your being there. Number two, it enables you to carry forward best practices and lessons learned. So you're, you know, it, as long as you capture it, and it can be as simple as a checklist. Um, you know, it, it should be a little bit more involved in that. But if you're able to capture procedures um, and, and hand them to your staff, now, you know, you've, you've captured all those, those lessons learned. You're not going to make those mistakes again. You're not going to pay for things twice. You, 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 they're going to be able to know what you expect of them without you having to tell them every single time. You know, and um, it, it, it really starts to pay dividends as you scale, as you gain employees. It, it uh, and it provides a basis for training new employees, you know. So I, I encourage you, uh, all business owners, uh, you know, to to just start to assemble business uh, systems that are working well for you. Capture them, write them down, um, you know, and, and especially uh, with all the different um you know, tools that are available to us online and in the cloud. It, there's so many ways to capture them and share them and, you, you know, use them for training, use them for coaching, right? You know, it, 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 people thrive when they know what is expected of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I know like using a loom video or I'm trying out uh, some of these other yeah. new systems, the AI stuff to build out uh, like checklists and, worksheets yeah. and guides for my employees. And it's great. Do you have, uh, I mean, that, that whole world of tools online yes. has changed nice. dramatically in the recent yes, future. Yes. Uh, but do you have any like go-to favorite tools that you love to use in everything? Well, um, you know, there's, there's great task management tools and I, and that's a great way to sort of, you know, almost force you into that path of creating a system and a process. Um, you know, uh, Asana is a great uh, task management tool. I use we Asana, We yeah. used another one uh, called Teamwork. Uh, there's some free tools out there that depending on what size your business is, uh, and we started out using Trello. I, I don't even know if it's still out there. I think yep. it is. But um, it is, yeah. It is. Okay, yeah. Um, and now we're, we're, we use uh, an enterprise version of, of Zoho. Um, but yeah, that, that's great. That allows you to detail out your steps, assign them to someone. It allows them to show their progress on those tasks. Right. So, um, it cuts down on a lot of the, uh, you know, the, uh, unnecessary communication, really, you can kind of see where you're at. Uh, I'll give you an example. One of the things that we do very infrequently, um, we're, we're starting to do it more, but is, is when you buy a property subject to the existing financing. There's a lot of little details you need to know to do that right, right? And if you don't do it frequently, yeah. if you don't do it, if you're not doing a one or two, one or two a month, you're not going to remember it, you know? So, uh, yeah. again, capturing those best practices, those lessons learned, what's worked uh, well in the past for you, it's invaluable. So now we can, we can do a subject two and be as effective as we ever were. Because as an organization, we are, um, you know, a, a systems-based organization. You know, we, we go to that yeah. first, and, and that's our that's our guide, and um, it enables us to be effective right out of the gate, even if we haven't done it for a year or two. Yeah. So interestingly enough, uh, when Trello launched, 
I was just starting my little entrepreneurial journey. And I saw at the time it was like, Hey, we'll give you a hundred bucks to be one of our test dummies. And I was like, Oh man, a hundred bucks. What a great little side hustle. Um, yeah. It was probably three hours, four hours worth of work. So still not, not terrible payday, but I basically helped them, you know, kind of work through some of the kinks when they first launched, but I only know it's still around because we were using it six months ago for a virtual assistant who didn't ultimately work out. So we actually moved everything to Asana, which has been mm -hmm. phenomenal for us. Right. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been good, but you know, it, there's something like you, you hit the nail on the head there for systems and processes. People overthink this so much and the fastest way I forget Tim, Tim Ferriss has a word for this and I always forget it, but it's like, it's like buying back time or, or something. I forget exactly how he, how he calls it, but the idea that if you do something once, great. If you do it a second time, you should have it templated, documented, saved, whatever, because you're most likely going to do it more. So I have an entire like page on my Google drive of email templates, or uh, I have in my, in my Google keep, I have, like a template section where if I'm going into Facebook, like if I had a somebody, the most, one of the, the most common question I see in my Facebook group is I inherited, or I have this much money. How should I invest it? And then you get like 600 comments of people who are like, you know, in my deal, uh, in my whole life policy, you know, all the things that are not beneficial to them as much as, or, or maybe it is beneficial to them, but they're, they're, they're skewed by the, you know, the commission eyes on the guy suggesting it. And right. uh, so I have, this, I wrote out this really lengthy response once that I just thought was like nailed it on the head for what they should do, which is basically put it in your bank account and figure out what, you know, is spend time on an education until you can answer that question for yourself. Right. Right, um, right, right. And I templated it. I copy paste it. And now anytime someone asks that question, I'm just like, paste paste, oh, paste, paste. I'm like, man, the amount of time that that one message has saved me over the years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like systems is that easy. You recognize yeah. that sub two is not easy. You're going to do it more than once. Let's set it right. up in the system so that we right. don't mess it up. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't know uh, a tremendous amount about all of your members, uh, followers of your podcast, but um, if a lot of them are in the military, they, they may not be home all the time. Right. And if you're uh, if you're going to be managing rental property or, you know, fixing and flipping a property, which you can do remotely, you can do without being there. Right. Yeah. Having systems and process is doubly important. It's absolutely critical because, again, that is how you're going to set the expectation. That's how you're going to communicate with your people back home who, you know, they're, they're going to be executing on what you want them to do. So you better give them some guidance. <laughs> It, so it's, there's it's an added powerful. benefit in there for guys like me that are the uh, like high eye personality on the disc profile and, and don't like when people, you know, don't like confrontation, don't like when people like that, don't like them, right. and all that is I'm not the bad guy. The checklist says right. you were supposed to do That's this right. and you didn't, which saves right. me a lot That's of emotional headache. Tell me more. And, you know, maybe the checklist is wrong. That's fine. Right. You can always change that if it is wrong. But, you know, if it's if it's, you know, something we overlooked, it's it's another opportunity to sort of circle someone back again. You want to create a, uh, a systems based organization. You know, the, it, when you go, you know, you go to a theme park and you take your kids and you have a wonderful time and everybody thinks it's magic. What you've just experienced are well refined systems. When you go to a restaurant and every time you go, 
it's a great time and it's packed and everybody enjoys it. There's great reviews. What you've just experienced are great systems. So um, mm -hmm. that is truly the difference between the, the amateurs and the pros, if you ask me. I agree. I love it. Um, did, would you say systems came naturally to you, like learning systems and processes, or is that a learned skill? You know, um, uh, before the show, I, I told you in a former life, I was in nuclear power. And in, in nuclear oh, power, you may not <laughs> do a single thing without a procedure. So, uh, you know, and I was in that industry for over 25 years, so it was drilled into me. Uh, but, but I see the benefits of it, too. You know, it, it really does help you to be very effective. There's two industries where they manage human-based mistakes at a very tight level, and that is nuclear power and Airlines. then the airline industry is, is another one. They, they manage mm -hmm. them very tightly. And uh, coincidentally, both of those industries are very systems-based, very procedure-based. So, yeah, that's where I got it from. <laughs> I love it. That makes sense. I was going to ask if it's a, you know, if it's a learned skill, how does one go about it? But it sounds like uh, yeah. it's kind of like what you said. It just kind of over time repetition. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, it, it's simple. You, you basically want to be able to, we write our, our, our systems, our procedures, and whether this is, is for our accounting business or, or for a real estate business, we write them to, with the goal that someone who is, you know, of average competency, but no experience can uh, you know perform at an eighty percent level? If we, if they can perform at an eighty percent level, where our system our system it, it did its job, and um, that's absolutely. great. We'll take that all day long. And and we've seen it. We've absolutely seen it. We've hired people, especially you know with um, as I mentioned, our bookkeeping uh, bookkeeping for real estate professionals can be very um, nuanced and, and and tricky. So you know having systems for how to deal with a flipping operation, right? How do you manage the, the chart of accounts? How, you know, when there's a deposit uh, or a down payment on a property, where, what do you do with that? Those, those sort of um, nuances, if you systematize those, you're gonna get consistent results time after time. It's gonna enable you to scale. So um, it, it's, yeah, I can't say enough about it. <laughs> That actually reminds me, we were supposed to touch on at the uh, beginning of the show, we talked about it briefly. When you say that there are a lot of different ways to do it uh, as far as documenting expenses. So on a, on a flip, um, you know, one of the ways that I do, I kind of try to do the profit first model. Now I will say that my mm -hmm. last two flips that I did with this wholesaling company I, I sold um, went so bad. I, I learned a lot of hard lessons, right? I had an acquisitions manager who I compensated, who decided he could do it better on his own because I showed him more of the business than I should have. And when he walked away, basically what happened is the last two properties that we bought or that he bought before he quit never should have been purchased at that price. And he got his commission. So he was happy off the you know acquisition side. And, and anyway, so I don't really know exactly what went down on all that. I just know that neither of them went great for me. And so what I was doing prior to that, where I had to suck money out of other things was I just had an individual, I had four, four accounts. And so all the funds went into whichever account for, you know, if I had four renovations going at the same time, I'd have four accounts and the funds would hit mm -hmm. each account and then they would just come out of that account only. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if that's the best way to do it. I'm curious your thoughts on it. Absolutely. So, you know, um, borrowing from some of the methodology from profit first, 
<clears throat> the use of sub accounts is very helpful. And I'm going to recommend for your viewers, uh, if you're in a real estate business, to, I'm going to recommend having four accounts. Um, one would be an operations account. Uh, and this would be for salary and, and, and normal expenses, your subscriptions to different software platforms, things like that. <clears throat> That's going to be for operations, your overhead. Um, yeah. Then I would have a projects account. And this is if you're going to do a fix and flip, right? If you go into a fix and flip, you're going to have an idea of what you're going to need to reserve for repairs, for holding costs, for insurance. So go ahead and set it aside in that account. Get it out of your operations account because it'll muddy the waters if you, if you uh, don't separate that. The third account I would recommend is a marketing account. If you do marketing, I realize not everyone does marketing, but if you do marketing, you want that marketing account so that when you have a sale, right? And you have, you know, the payday that you've been waiting for, go ahead and take 15 to 25% and set it in marketing because that's going to keep, that's going to provide the fuel for your business, um, you know, for, for future success. So just go ahead and set it in there. You know, you're going to spend it. And then the last account I would have is a tax account where, where you set aside money so that you're mm -hmm. not, um, you know, biting your nails on cutting a $40,000 <laughs> check the first year you own a hotel and don't realize that sales tax wasn't being pulled out. Definitely right. not had that happen before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, that's good. I do like oh, that. Um, you know, I did get that. I started doing that after reading the book Profit First and it's worked well for us. You know, it helps you sleep at night as well. You know, if, it, exactly. if you don't know, <laughs> if you, if you operate your business from the big pile of cash standpoint where, and a lot of people do this, they will log into their bank account and look at the balance and in their mind, they know, okay, well, I probably, you know, I'm probably going to spend this much over here and this much over here. They kind of, they think they have that pile of cash sorted out. Um, but, you know, <laughs> then they, they, they wake yep. up at, at 2 a.m. in the morning, not one day, not sure if they're going to be able to make payroll in two weeks because, mm -hmm. you know, they, they really didn't have, you know, the, their funds allocated for known expenses, they didn't have them allocated in advance. So provides a lot of uh, yeah. comfort when you set it aside. Yeah. You know, there are, there are people who have a super detailed ornate budget and they know exactly where every dollar goes and they consult it before they spend everything. And my personality doesn't work that way. So for me, it is absolutely right. best to go you pull all the money. I don't want to spend out of this account and mm -hmm. I can spend whatever's left in here and it doesn't yep. matter. And uh, if I don't do that, I'm in trouble because I will, I will spend yep. it. <laughs> I know right um, where you're at in the same to way. Totally. Yeah. To absolutely shift gears mm -hmm. to something that's not related to any of this at all. I'm just curious because I always have had this. I enjoy this conversation and I know it's not related to most of this, but you mentioned you worked in nuclear power. So I'm curious what your yes. take is on why the U.S. doesn't have more nuclear power because it is the, to my knowledge, right? The cleanest, most efficient form of power right. out there. And it's clearly good enough to power almost the entire Navy. Yeah. But for some reason, yeah. there's like a fear amongst doing it in the States. And I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's political suicide uh, for, for many politicians. And that's all it is. 
uh, you know, really? the, I, I believe so. I mean, it's just hard to, well, there, the, you know, there is some, uh, they do cost a lot, you know, it's, it's around $10 billion yeah. for a power station now over a minimum of four years construction time. Really it's, it's longer than that. Um, you know, and, and uh, part of this answer, yeah, it has to be viewed through the context of alternatives. Uh, natural gas used to be extremely cheap. And so for the past yes. two, two decades, natural gas was the, you know, you, you could put a, a natural gas plant up in, I don't know, uh, a year or two. They have some of these modular plants where you, mm. they're, they're almost preassembled and you can be creating. Oh, wow fairly clean power, you know, and it's, and, and nobody's going to vote you out of office for, for approving it. So, um, yeah. but now in, as natural gas prices have risen, it makes nuclear power, um, more of an option. Um, and essentially, so, so we've seen this happen in times past and I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but, um, we've seen it oh, happen no, where please, prices please. have gone up and consumers have felt this at the local level and they would start advocating for nuclear power. But as soon as things get cheap again, then they're like, nah, never mind. <laughs> so uh, mm. yeah, it's a political Very short sighted. Yeah. That makes sense. I wonder if that stems from like Chernobyl, like just like a, it's oh, scary. It doesn't you know, help. Media piece <laughs> it does or... not help. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, I mean, to, to your point, right. That was basically a lack of systems. They, they did the wrong yeah, things right. and, or didn't do the right thing. That's and, right. And, and the amount of systems you know, that came after that <laughs> is uh, it truly made the, the industry exceedingly safe. Um, it is it is oh, yeah. way safer than it was before that. So, yeah, that does speak to that. <laughs> well, and it is it is ridiculous what some of these Navy I mean, nobody even has specs on what a Navy sub can do because that's completely and totally classified. So right. I know a bunch of guys who are on submarines and they won't tell you diddly about it. But right. I have seen an aircraft carrier, you know, a, a seven, I don't even know, 70 million ton thing. Uh -huh. I mean, they're huge, whatever they are. They carry 6,000 people. I've seen them do maneuvers and yeah. they are absurdly fast in the water. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting. I always... I always wondered, I was like, man, are they really that fast to get somewhere, you know, if they need to get somewhere or, or to yeah. evade, evade, whatever? No. Interestingly enough, aircraft carriers are, are capable of going like 40 knots because yeah. if there's not enough wind to start turbines on airplanes, they have to create their own, which is, yeah. you know, it's just this whole crazy concept. And I'm like, I'm like, we're pushing out hundreds of thousands of horsepower through these things and running year round, no issues, yeah. but we're afraid to. You know, I think Arizona is actually building a, a nuclear. And plant. you don't have to refuel that carrier for 20 years, 20 years. No, it's nuts. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's crazy. And yeah, uh, yeah so I, I hope that at one point in life, we kind of move towards that. Cause I think as great as solar is like California is the perfect example of solar doesn't solve everything because, you know, they're trying to go completely electric vehicle by 2035 right. and, they can't even handle their own power grid right now. Yeah. So got to <laughs> do something true. different. Yeah. Oh true. man. All right. Well, that was a total, total ramble, total tangent, but I, I just, I enjoy that conversation. And honestly, I think uh, that's something big picture for a lot of investors to think about because, you know, like you said, 
natural gas isn't getting cheaper, you know, different, mm -hmm. different ways to manage utilities in your properties. It adds up. I mean, we've got a hotel that I would say like 16 to 17% of our expenses is the utility bill. And so we're, we've been thinking a lot about, I mean, obviously we can't put a nuclear reactor in the back of our hotel, but uh, right. you know, we're looking at solar and, and geothermal and all the different uh, things. So, um, well, is there anything we missed? Um, you know, there's something, you know, we talked about, and, and I'm glad you asked about the sub accounts because I really do think that is a, a, a easy tool to implement uh, for your listeners. There, there's one other thing that I want to just sort of bring out. Um, and, you know, our company has uh, assisted in several audits, you know, of, of uh, business owners. And, um, yeah. you know, if you don't, if you don't have a receipt or an invoice for something you're, you're claiming a deduction on, don't be surprised mm. if in an audit, they say it doesn't count. They, it, it's, we're not going to count. We're going to disallow that, um, deduction. And if you are in a real, you know, if you're in a fix and flip company where your expenses <laughs> will be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, I want you to think about that. Think about what if someone said yeah. one day that $100,000, $200,000 in expenses you reported on your taxes is disallowed. And, and think about the check that you're going to have to write. I'm saying this from experience. I'm, I'm saying this from having- I'm not going to sleep for a week now. What's that? I said, I'm not going to sleep for a week now. Well, so, so here's a quick and easy process. All right. So this is what I recommend. It's very simple. Anybody can do it. Um, designate an email- for invoices and receipts, number one, right? So mm. we have one invoices, you know, it could be invoices at your real estate company.com, right? So designate an email and then at the point of sale, get into the habit, just take a picture of your receipt, hit the send button, it'll, you know, and it'll give you a selection to send it to an email, send it to your email, done, you've captured it. Now, Having that designated email, you can automatically forward it to your bookkeeper, right? You, when you, you know, when you have your phone and you take the picture and you're sending the email, it's very easy to add some comments, right? Voice to text. This mm -hmm. is for the property on Main Street, um, yep. you know, this, that, and the other. So um, once you get in the habit, it takes 10 seconds to do it after the point of sale. You're going to capture your receipts. You're going to capture your invoices. You're not going to wake up one day with this uh, big IRS penalty because you didn't do that. They do expect it. Do not, do not think that your bank statement, which has that transaction on it, amounts to, uh, is, is equivalent to a receipt. Mm -hmm. It is not. So, so yeah. I would just yeah, strongly recommend. That's a quick and easy uh, system for your, uh, your listeners to implement. And that would be very helpful. Absolutely. No, I appreciate that very much. That's great. Um, Will, where can people get a hold of you? I know we're going we're gonna to drop the link down in the show notes for everybody who's interested in learning about some real sure. estate bookkeeping because all yeah. of your books are a mess. Um, but <laughs> yeah, where, where can people get a hold of you to talk? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, our company is oxily.com. That's A-U-X-I-L-E-E.com. Um, and you can email me there at William at Oxley.com. Um, you know, we have several talented staff, you know, and we're, we're willing to help people at any stage of their business, whether they're a client of ours or not. If they're a client, we, we offer, you know, special, uh, you know, 
insights into their business management and their systems and processes. We definitely want to see our clients succeed. But if, if you have a, a, a real estate or an accounting question, feel free to email us. We'll, we'll get back to you in probably within 24 hours. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate that. And uh, this has been good. I think this is actually a, a really good conversation for, for two reasons. One, uh, you know, I got to learn some stuff, which is not always the case on these shows, as much as I'd like to think, you know, sometimes it's just kind of things I've heard before, but two bookkeeping is not the most exciting conversation in the world. And I it's feel not. like we did a really good job of making yeah. it bite size and, and tangible so that people will stick around. Right. And, and, and not to belabor it, but you know, bookkeeping is bookkeeping is just a start. It, it's the management of your transactional data, but that tr same transactional data can be used for you to pilot your business. It's like, it's like the instrument panel on your plane. It starts with the effective capturing of that data, but then what it enables you to use is very, very powerful. It will make the difference in your business. It is your dashboard. Um, it is your instrument panel. So, um, you know, and that's one thing we see that, that, you know, most bookkeepers, uh, just simply prepare your transactional data for a CPA to file your taxes and that's done. That's it. That's their customer is your, your accountant. But, uh, we believe firmly that that same data is, uh, you know, should, is to, used by business owners effectively to manage their business. Um, if you're a Fortune 500 company, you're using your transactional data, your business data. Um, you have a controller and a CFO that looks at that and, and makes decisions based on that. We aim to give our clients that same level of uh, insight just by virtue of being our client. So we're, we're not simply organizing the data for the CPA. We absolutely do that, but we also wanna give you visibility on your business. I love that. Yeah, that's good. Well, I appreciate you joining us today, Will. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, I look forward to, I know you're going to come speak to the mastermind here at some point and mm -hmm. yeah. look forward to that and continuing to work together. Sounds good, Dave.